I invite you to take your Bible tonight. Let's turn to the book of Judges, chapter number 14. Book of Judges, chapter number 14. We continue to look at Samson's life and seek to learn from his mistakes and failures. We don't have to make all the same mistakes ourselves, do we? Uh, we, we can learn from the mistakes of others. And uh, we know that the school of hard knocks is a difficult school to graduate from. And uh, the lessons we learn there sometimes leave marks and scars on our lives that could have been avoided by learning from others' lives. And that is our purpose for these messages in the book of Judges. God has placed within the pages of the Word of God many characters and events from which He desires that we learn. Samson's life has plenty that we can learn from. And uh, let's begin by reading. I want to. I know we dealt with verses 10 through 14, but we're going to pick up the context. We're going to go ahead and read verse 10 through, through the end of the chapter here. So his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there a feast, for so used the young man to do. And it came to pass when they saw him that they brought him thirty companions to be with him, and Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, if ye can certainly declare it uh, me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. Um, but if ye cannot declare it me, and then shall ye give me thirty sheets and thirty change of garments. And they said unto him, Put forth thy riddle, that we may hear it. And he said unto them, Out of the eater came forth meat, and out of the strong came forth sweetness. And they could not in three days expound the riddle. So they're, they're three days into their seven-day period, and they don't have a clue what is going on with that riddle. <clears throat> Verse 15, And it came to pass on the seventh day, uh, that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us uh, to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him and said, Thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people, and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? She wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her, of her people. And the men of the city said unto him, On the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than lion? And he said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, ye had not found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he went down to Ascalon, slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil gave change of garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, whom he had used as his friend. 
Today we want to learn the lesson of what to look for in our companions or our friends, the folks that we keep close fellowship with. We know that um, peer pressure is certainly a very real issue for most people. It doesn't really matter what age that you are. It's an issue for young children. It's an issue for teenagers. And it's even an issue for adults, even though we don't like to think so. But it, it is. And no matter what our age may be, our lives can be impacted either positively or negatively by those whom we choose to be around. So we need to be careful who we choose to be around. So what makes for a good companion? Well, it's the opposite of what we see here. Okay? Um, good companions have integrity. Good companions have integrity. There in verses 15 through 17 that we just read, Samson, we see, surrounded himself with a bunch of people who lacked good character. I mean, they were just downright wicked is what they were. There isn't any integrity in the individual we find, uh, any of the individuals that we find in this uh, passage, and both the men and Samson's wife lacked integrity. These men didn't have to agree to solve this riddle or get involved in the bet that went along with it, but at the end of verse 13 that we read, that's exactly what they did. They said, put forth your riddle. Uh, then when they couldn't solve the riddle themselves, they resorted to underhand tactics. You ever known anybody like that? You know, if they couldn't do it the right way, they'd, they'd, they'd find a way to do it the wrong way. Now I want you to note, though, that Samson's wife lacked integrity too. We don't know the details of their wedding vows, but surely their mar her marriage to Samson would include some level of commitment to fidelity and faithfulness. However, we see that she doesn't appear to be very committed to, to Samson. Uh, when these men couldn't figure out the riddle and it looked like they might lose their bet, they went right to her and told her to entice Samson, get the answer for them. In fact, they threatened to kill her and her family and burned their house down if uh, she didn't get the answer for them. So she begged and pleaded with Samson until he finally gave in and told her the riddle. She in turn violated the trust of her husband and uh, revealed the answer to Samson's so-called friends. She betrayed him. And so we can see none of these characters were good characters. They all lacked integrity. And when you, you know, when you hang around the wrong kind of folks, normally that the wrong kind of people have a tendency to rub off on the good people. Okay, They just do. Uh, uh, and um, we see that good companions, number two, good companions draw us closer to God. Let me ask you some questions here. That this, this new wife of Samson, did she cause him to be closer to God or was she drawing him away? And what about these 30 new so-called friends? Did they cause him to be closer to God or were they bad for him? Now we know, we can tell very easily looking at the chapters here, that they weren't good for Samson. They just weren't. It's a, it's a story that we see time and time again, both in Scripture and outside of Scripture, in fact, I want to give you an earlier scriptural example. Back in the days of Lot and Abraham, remember Abraham's nephew Lot in Genesis 13, verses 10 through 13, uh, we find Lot making a poor choice for him and his family. 
We know that the Bible says that Lot chose to pitch his tent towards Sodom. That's how the, the wording of the scripture is there. He pitched his tent towards Sodom. And it may, be, may have looked like a good business decision when he chose what he chose of the well-watered plain, but it was a poor family decision. There were no good friends to be had for him and his family because Genesis 13, 13 says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And Lot and his family, you know, their righteousness didn't rub off on the people there. But I can tell you that uh, Sodom and his influences rubbed off on Lot and his family. Second um, Peter 2 verses 7 and 8 reveals that Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. Don't you kind of feel that way sometimes today with the wickedness that's going on in our society and they parading it out in front of everybody? Uh, it just it kind of vexes you, doesn't it? It really does. You know what I mean? We, we're righteous. We, we don't want to be associated with that. But... Uh, a lot was vexed with their filthy conversation. It says, For that righteous man dwelling among them and the seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Now he chose to pitch his tent that way. Now consider how Lot's married children stayed behind in Sodom. Scripture says in Genesis 19 verse 14 that Lot went and spoke to his sons-in-law and said, Up! Get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. It says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. Consider how as Lot and his wife and his two unmarried girls were fleeing Sodom, that Lot's wife looked back and became a pillar of salt. He tried to take his wife out of Sodom, but he couldn't take Sodom out of his wife. <laughs> And also consider that Lot's two unmarried children were so influenced by the debauchery there in Sodom that they got their father drunk twice and committed incest with him. Each one of them did. And they both became impregnated with their father's children. And he had two wicked nations that came forth out of their wombs, the Moabites and Ammonites. Lot tried to take his family out of Sodom, but he couldn't get Sodom out of his family. 1 Corinthians 15.33 tells us, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. In other words, keeping company with the ungodly corrupts a believer's character. So be careful of letting your relationships lead you astray. Be careful who you form relationships with. Amen. Uh, good companions have integrity. Good companions draw us closer to God. A third thing I want you to see is that good companions don't try to manipulate us. You ever had somebody manipulate you? It's not a good feeling, is it? Um, try to manipulate you anyway. There in verses 18 through 20, uh, we, uh, we see that uh, um, you consider that uh, Samson was under tremendous pressure there and that... Uh, uh, his wife should have been honest with him. Now, if, if she had said, you know, these these guys are really putting the pressure on me to get you to reveal this, and and uh, they're they're going to kill my my parents 
and uh, burning their house down. You think Samson could have taken care of it? He could have, couldn't he? He, he could have. But she chose to not be honest. And she, she chose to manipulate him instead. And good companions do not manipulate their friends. You see what she did? In so many words, she, she told Samson, Samson, you don't love me if you did. Samson, you don't love me if you did. Young people really need to hear this one. I wonder how many young people have fallen head over heels in love only to hear similar words of manipulation by the one that they love. Those are not the words of a good companion. Those are the words of manipulation. If you really love me, you would. Um, don't, uh, don't, they don't need to fall for that, do they? Now, know what Paul had to, to say about real love. In 1 Corinthians 13, 5, we're talking about the agape love, that love uh, that's known as charity. It's the love that uh, God has for us. And it says that, that charity doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked and thinketh no evil. But that seeketh not her own. Samson's wife, though, was looking out for herself and looking out for her parents. She certainly wasn't looking out for, for Samson. And next we see where Samson figured out what had happened, lost his temper, and then he lost his wife. Um, notice how, how he talked about his wife. <laughs> said unto them, If ye had not plowed with my heifer, you had not found out my riddle. Not, not good words of respect, are they? Just not. I mean, it's like Samson, man. You, you, could, you, could, you, could, you could do better than that. But um, unfortunately, Samson didn't learn from this experience. And, you know, as soon as these friends gave him the answer to the riddle, he realized that uh, he'd been duped. He'd been manipulated. Later on in his life, though, we're going to see a similar thing happen again with a woman named Delilah. Delilah's going to put the pressure on Samson. He allowed himself to be manipulated here by this, his unnamed wife, but he's also going to wind up being manipulated by Delilah and wind up ruining his life through the process. Now here in our text, we see that in his frustration and anger, Samson killed 30 men, stripped them of their garments to pay off his bet. Should he have been betting in the first place? No. Um, already, the Philistines were a bad influence on him here. And he went home angry and without his wife. His wife was given to one of his so-called friends. How's that for being a friend? I, uh, that... That last phrase of verse 20. But Samson's wife was given to his companion whom he had used as his friend. He had used as his friend. It's just a strange wording, isn't it? This really is. So, what's the application? Well, Samson brought people into his life that lacked integrity. And this point should be obvious. Good companions are the kind of people that have good character. And then we need to look at our, our friends and see what if they meet the right qualifications. What is the character of those that we choose as friends? The people that we're hanging around, the people that are our close associations, are they people of character? Why couldn't Samson see 
that they had no integrity. Well, I think it was partly because he was becoming like the people he was hanging around. You start hanging around the wrong kind of folks long enough, you're going to become just like them. After all, we've already seen where he failed to keep his commitment to God that the Nazarite vow that he was under. He, uh, we've seen where he chose to hide some things also from his parents and on a couple of occasions. And all of that goes to character. It goes to character. And today uh, we've seen that he failed to be selective in the kind of people he was choosing to surround himself with. And what kind of friends have we chosen? Do they encourage us to love God and serve him? Or do they make it harder for us to love God and serve him? Proverbs 13.20 is a good proverb for this. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. That's a good, good proverb. We need to surround ourselves with those who are godly. Let me ask this also. What kind of friend are you to others? Okay. Do you exert positive spiritual pressure on others or negative spiritual pressure? There are some folks that every time you're around them, you're just stimulated to be more pleasing to God. I, I love those kinds of folks. I've had many of them in my lifetime. Psalm 119, verse 63, the psalmist said this. He said, I am a, a companion of all them that fear thee. He's talking about the Lord. And of them that keep thy precepts. A companion of them that fear the Lord and those that keep his precepts. So how do we, how do we find friends like that? How do we find the right kind of friends? Well, let me just give you four things here as we uh, close out the Bible study tonight. First, number one, we need to stay faithful in the local church. Okay, Go to the right kind of places if you want to meet the right kind of people. So one reason why the local church is so important in the lives of believers. You think you're more likely to find the right kind of friends at church or out in the world? In church, right? I mean, that's, that's one of those duh questions. <laughs> uh not only do we need to stay faithful in the local church, but number two, we need to get involved in serving the Lord. You know, when we are involved in serving the Lord, most likely we'll be around others who love the Lord and are serving Him as well. You know, look, look to, to make close associations with those that love the Lord and serve the Lord. A third thing, so we need to develop friendships with those around us that will strengthen our walk with God. We must exercise discretion about this even within the local church. You know, not everybody that's in church is a good influence, unfortunately. Um, it's sad to say that, but um, we need to hang around folks within church that lead us in the right direction. You hang around with those who are prone to grumble and complain, guess what you're going to start doing? Grumbling and complaining. That's what you'll do. And then last of all, make Jesus Christ your closest friend. The, the greatest friend and companion we can make is Jesus Christ. And that's why I, one of the reasons why I chose what a friend we have in Jesus tonight. It's that first song to sing tonight. And because of what we were bringing to you. As we draw closer to Christ, listen, He will show us 
who will make good friends. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. So if we're going to have the right kind of friends, hang around those that are looking to obey the Lord, amen, and serve the Lord. This, this begins, of course, with uh, the, the call, of have they accepted the, the Lord's call for salvation? Because uh, that's where it begins at. And uh, so, uh, choose right friends. Amen. Well, that's our Bible study for this evening. We're going to pull back out our prayer list. We'll pray for the needs that are on the list. And then we'll be dismissed with this prayer.